Hi there. Welcome to the Calm Podcast, combining academia and life with Marilyn. My name is Marilyn Ritchie, and I have been a mentor and a scientist for 15 years, and I wanted to find a platform to reach more of the academic community than I interact with at my own university. My goal is to give you strategies and ideas for how to achieve harmony between work and life. Sit back, relax, and let's achieve harmony together. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Calm Podcast. My name is Marilyn Ritchie, and I am excited to be here this morning talking to you about the end of the first week of school. This episode is primarily for my friends out there who are parents of school-age children, kindergarten through 12th grade. If you don't have a child in those grades, either you don't have kids, you have kids who are grown, you have little ones at home, I still think there are some takeaways for you as well, because surely you are working with people who have kids in school, you are friends with people who have kids in school, those people are out there in your community of friends and colleagues, and I think it could be helpful for you to know what life looks like here inside our homes, because it is a whole new world that we have not experienced quite like this really ever before. So what I want to talk about today is just kind of how the the first week of school went, the, the shit show that it was, but to celebrate the fact that we made it. We are here. It is the end of the week and everyone survived. And I want to celebrate that. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Before I get too far into the topic for today, I just wanted to uh, send a reminder out into the world about sending me feedback about the podcast. Uh, Remember, you can find me on Twitter at two different handles, either at The Calm Podcast or at Marilyn Ritchie. And you can also send email to thecalmpodcast.feedback at gmail.com. Or you can review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I am seeing all of those. They're super helpful. And your feedback is really important so that I make this podcast something that is useful to you. That's really my goal. All right, for today's episode, the first week of school shit show, that is today's title. Um, So the first thing, I I just want to celebrate all of the parents out there that survived. I think one of the most important things that we have to do right now during, I don't even know, month seven of the pandemic is to recalibrate what success looks like for us. And I think I'm going to do a whole episode on success in different areas of our lives. But for today, we're talking about back to school. Success right now is that the week is behind us and everyone survived. In my house, um, I will say we did not shed tears 
We did not break anything. And as of today, everyone is speaking to each other. That is not to say that we did not get very frustrated at various points, extremely stressed out. Uh, The very first morning, I had to put myself in timeout so that no one saw how stressed out and flipping out I was. Uh, Little story. So I have a, a sixth grader and a ninth grader. So brand new to the middle school and brand new to the high school. They are not really that worried about the fact that this is a new school and they don't know any of the teachers and everything's new. They're excited. I am panicked because it's all new and they have no idea what they're missing. But luckily, they don't seem to mind. So first period for my sixth grader, middle school, first day, homeroom, Zoom link does not work. It wants a password. So she's getting upset and I'm like panicking inside. But I was like, oh, it's fine. Let me check. Maybe they emailed us the password. Nope. Maybe the password is posted on the website. Nope. Maybe it's um, somewhere here on Schoology. Let's look there. Meanwhile, the inside of me is screaming, but I couldn't let her see that. So long story short, the teacher sent the wrong link. She sent a Zoom link that required a password, didn't share the password. About 15 minutes later, she sent a new link. Everyone was in homeroom about 15 minutes late and all is well. However, when you're brand new to the school and we didn't know who was in her homeroom, there wasn't even anybody else to call or text and say, hey, did you get the right link? So we're sitting there thinking that we're the only ones missing homeroom on the first day of school. So, I mean, the lesson there was like to definitely stay calm, but but it just was very stressful. And so at that point, it's, you know, 8.05 in the morning. My son is on his high school class. My daughter is on her middle school class. And I said to my husband, I'm going for a walk. I'm in timeout. I can't even start my work day. I need to go for a walk, clear my mind, calm down. It was stress exercising for sure. Um, the alternative was like stress eating or drinking. And instead, I chose stress exercising, which I think was the, the healthiest choice. But it was extraordinarily stressful that first day. But now reflecting on the week, like they made it through. Yes, there were kinks all over the place. There were links that didn't work some days. Um, My son had a class and, you know, he's in high school, so he did know some of the kids in his class. One of his Zoom links, they were waiting for the host the entire period. Turns out the teacher was absent on the first day and they didn't tell us that she was going to be absent. But the kids just sat there, you know, doing other things. They had the Zoom open on their laptop, and then they're on their phones doing whatever. And, you know, do I wish they would have known so they didn't waste the time? Of course. But in the end, it really wasn't that big of a deal. So if you are a parent, and you are listening to this after your first week of school, I would give yourself a round of applause, a pat on the back, open a bottle of champagne, do something to celebrate the fact that you have survived the first week. And if you're listening to this and you haven't started yet, so if you're one of those schools that starts later, just be ready. It's going to be okay. Things are going to go wrong, but then celebrate the end of that first week because you will survive. That is the key. It, it, it may not go the way you want. It may not go the way you expect, but you will survive. 
and we definitely survived. And that's, I think that's the best word we can use. I wouldn't necessarily say we thrived and we loved it, but we survived. Celebrate that. The next thing that I just want to remind all of us about, and this is something that I have said in my own head, this has kind of been my mantra this week, is that this is hard, full stop. There are so many different aspects to this whole process that is hard, it is difficult, it is challenging. It is not easy for anyone. Nobody signed up for this. No one could have anticipated when you were doing life planning, like what kind of job do I want to have? How many kids are we going to have? How far apart should our kids be? What year should we start having kids? All of those things. Never did someone say, well, we need to be ready that in 2020, everyone's going to be doing school from home. Or maybe some of you are having a hybrid model um, and maybe some are actually in school full time. Nonetheless, all of those scenarios in this world of a pandemic are just, they're hard. If you're in school full-time, you need to wear masks, you need to socially distance. You know, I did hear a, an anecdote from a friend that the kids have, um, that are in person, can't sit with anyone at lunch. They have to sit, you know, far from other kids, and that's, it, they didn't like that. It's really sad. Um, that was like the low point of the day is that they have to sit alone for lunch. And and I get that. I don't like eating lunch alone, but they have to do that at in-person school. So whether you're in-person full-time, you're hybrid where you need to manage the, like who's watching the kids on what days when they're home and what happens on the days they go, or you're fully virtual. It's hard and difficult and challenging. The biggest thing that I am trying to remind myself on the daily is to be empathetic to everyone around you that is going through this. We have no idea the, the magnitude or the different ways that this is hard for each family. I think that I can say fairly that this is challenging and hard for everyone, but how hard and in how many different aspects is this a challenge? Is It's unique, I think, to each family. You know, for some families, they have two parents who work outside the home in jobs that are essential, that have um, very strict hours, that do not, um, they're not compatible with what is happening with school. Somehow those parents have to figure out how to provide care for their kids while they're at school. A lot of families have teachers who have to be at the school. And then they have school-age kids whose school is either online or hybrid. They have to figure out what happens with their kids when they're home and the parent has to be at work. That's a challenge. And some families have a stay-at-home parent. And so they don't have that challenge. However, many of those families have multiple kids with different class times, with different needs, and they're trying to juggle all that. Oh, and by the way, those stay-at-home parents on a regular basis were taking care of 
tons of domestic things for the family that now during school hours, which was like their core time to get stuff done, they are now kind of either full-time teachers or teacher aides. And so for them, it, it's a different set of challenges than for the, the people who are working outside the home. Um, I, most of us don't know which families have special needs in terms of learning disabilities, um, ADHD, um, you know, just challenges with reading or challenges with math. And so the stress for those families is, it's just even more exacerbated during this time where, you know, if their kid has a hard time sitting still in a classroom and now they're at home, like they're probably bouncing off the walls, jumping off the beds, like running around the, the house. I mean, they're for a lot of kids that I know, the parents will often say that the kids behave better at school than they do at home. You know, there's something about the kind of controlling it when you're around your teachers, but then when you're around your parents, you can like relax and let loose. Well, right now the teachers are online. Is that enough to make those kids stay calm during school? I mean, I'm hearing from some of my friends that it's not. Their kids are bouncing off the walls and trying to get them to sit and pay attention is a real challenge. So just know that you're not alone going through the challenge of this. We are all experiencing that it's hard. It's just, for some, it's it's just even more difficult. And so we need to be empathetic with one another and patient and just, you know, if people are, you know, short-tempered or in a bad mood or not getting as much done at work, just give them grace and and be kind because you just don't know what the the day is looking like in their house right now as they try to manage, you know, survival. And for those who work, they have to handle their job. And then now the school situation, which looks very different from anything any of them anticipated when they started this. This brings me to our teachers and administrators. God bless them for everything they're doing. I know a lot of parents are frustrated with how things are going, but we have to realize the teachers and administrators have never done this before. Just like we couldn't anticipate and plan for this as parents, neither could they. This is so incredibly hard for them. I saw a great post on our middle school's Facebook page that one a teacher posted, and I, I don't even think it's a teacher from our school. I think somebody shared this from a different district. But it just talked about you know, the big takeaways from virtual teaching. And some of the key things are, you know, you can't teach the same course the way you've been teaching it for however long you've been teaching through Zoom. The class is completely different. You have to deliver it differently. You have to get feedback from the kids differently. You have to assess the kids differently. If you try to just take a class that you did in the classroom and put it on Zoom and just do your lecture for 25 minutes, it it doesn't work. The kids need breaks. They need interaction. You know, since these uh, kind of 
screen devices, so the cell phones and the iPads and the tablets and the Kindles and all of that, a lot of people have grown up, a lot of the kids have grown up using a screen as a way to zone out, right? It's a way to like calm down, unwind. At the end of the day, go watch a show on your tablet, go play a game on your tablet. Now, they are being told the screen is to focus. You need to now do school on a screen. And so it just might take them a little bit of time to get used to the screen not being the zone out, play, relax thing. It's now the school thing. The teachers are having to figure out ways to help the kids with that transition. And um, she has lots of suggestions like have them get up and dance, have them, you know, go get their pet if they have one, things like that. Um, There are lots of unanticipated challenges that the teachers are experiencing, things like uh, Zoom links not working, um, microphones not working. I know that's an issue with the, the Chromebooks that my kids are using. The microphones aren't working very well that are built in. So one of my kids switched to a different laptop and the other one is using headphones with a mic. And that's working. But it was just a matter of like, okay, the first day they couldn't really hear you when you spoke. So let's pivot. What can we do to fix this challenge? Um, There's nothing I can do to the Chromebook microphone, but I can provide other microphone opportunities. And so I actually, I did email one of the teachers and let them know, you know, we did some testing in the evening after the first day and it's the built-in microphone. It's not a setting on the laptop, it's not a setting in Zoom, it's the microphone just is very, very weak. So I said, you know, they might want to suggest to the families, like if you have headphones that have a mic built in, which a lot of cell phones come with, um, that that would be a a good substitute. Um, The teachers are trying to plan for all possible contingencies and be ready for things to fail, but there are things that they can't anticipate. And so Yes, it, there are bumps, and they can't possibly anticipate all of the things that are going to happen because they've never done this before. No one has ever done this before. Even in the spring, you know, we had this kind of online school, and every school district dealt with it as best they could, but now it, they've had time to plan, which they did not have time to plan. They had two weeks in the spring, and and I'm super impressed with what I'm seeing, But I know that there are just things going wrong. Technology is breaking. People's Wi-Fi goes out. So like they're in a class and then their Wi-Fi goes out and they drop out of class. So I think we as parents need to be patient with what the school is doing. They are doing everything they can for our kids. We, We have to know and believe that. And many of these teachers have kids in school too. And so they are dealing with everything I just talked about are happening to the parents and all of the things that are happening for teachers. And so this is a time for empathy and grace. Um, Our high school, actually, uh, our principal uh, has sent some videos and made some calls. And I actually love, he has four words that are the motto for the year. It is be patient, flexible, have trust, and we will get through this together. So it's patient, flexible, trust together. And at first I was like, oh, that's cute. And like five, five, four days into school, I'm like, yep. Like I keep saying it. And when my kids get kind of out of sorts about something, I'm like, we've got to be patient and flexible. Trust that they're doing everything they can and we will get through this together. So uh, kudos to him for 
this four-word motto, whether he came up with it or one of his other staff, it is uh, definitely going to get us through this. So if you're a teacher or an administrator listening to this, just thank you. Thank you for all of the things you are trying to make this school year as successful as possible for our kids. We appreciate you. And to the parents, just be kind and patient with your teachers. It's so easy from the outside to be like, they should have done this. They should have done that. Why didn't they do this? It, they, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's really easy after a class failed to know what would have worked, but they couldn't possibly have known what would have worked before the class and before we saw how many kids couldn't get on the Zoom link or how many kids' microphones didn't work or how many kids didn't have a quiet spot to listen to the thing that they needed them to listen to. So just patience, flexibility, empathy, and grace. Those are uh, things that we just really need a lot of right now. All right, the next thing I I want to make a suggestion, and this is something that I started doing last night and continued a little bit this morning, and I think I'll do that for most of the weekend, and that is to just spend some quiet time reflecting on the week and what worked and what didn't work. You know, this was our first week of fully virtual school with synchronous learning. My kids were home all spring, but everything was well, not everything, but the majority was asynchronous. You know, it was like log in, get your stuff and get it done when you can. Now they have class, you know, for six hours in a row with some breaks, but it's different. And I was reflecting on what worked and what didn't. I'll share some of that because you might have experienced the same thing. And it may prompt you to think of other things that either worked or didn't work. And and the goal here is not to get cranky about it. It's really, you know, the things that worked, make sure we keep doing them. And for the things that didn't work, how can we pivot and make a change to make it better? So the wins were um, early bedtime. That was huge. So over the summer and over like the whole pandemic, because the kids didn't have to be up early at school or even on school, they started staying up late and sleeping in. And over the weekend last week, I said, guys, we got to start getting back to an earlier bedtime. And actually, by the uh, second, third day, they were asking to go to bed even earlier than I was putting them to bed. They were tired. And they were like, you know what? I need sleep. I need rest. I'm tired. And so the early bedtime absolutely was a win, a success. We're going to keep at it. And I don't think mine are going to argue it because they, they needed the rest. They were tired. So if... If bedtime or if your kids are tired and bedtime hasn't been kind of kicked back to an earlier time, uh, I highly recommend it. The other thing about the early bedtime is that me and my husband actually got to hang out in the evening for a little bit. You know, I typically go to bed early. And so most of the summer I went to bed before the kids and it's been so nice this week that they went to bed and then I could hang out with my husband. It was ugh. so yeah, early bedtime is going to be a uh, pillar for the rest of the school year. Another thing that um, that worked well, and I wasn't sure how it would go, is um, what to do with the other technology the kids have while they're in school. So for my sixth grader, 
I said she could not have her phone or iPad in the room with her while she's at school. So when she, if she were at school, they're not allowed to have their phones. And so I said, you're at school. Yes, it's at home, but it's just like at school. So phone and iPad are in the kitchen. You're up in your bedroom doing school. That worked really well. She did not get distracted because, I mean, I would peek every once in a while and she was getting texts or Snapchats during school. And so I'm so glad that it was in the kitchen and she just saw them when school was over. And she could look at them at lunch. I let her have her phone at lunchtime so she could kind of in the middle of the day take a look. But it's just like being at school and I didn't want her to have those constant distractions. Now, on the other hand, I did allow my ninth grader to have his phone. He is more disciplined about turning the notifications off and not paying attention to it. But especially that first day when one of his teachers didn't show up, he needed his phone. So he was able to text and he had five friends in the class and he was able to text and get in touch with them to see, did he have the wrong link? Was he you know, on the wrong time slot? It was the first day. Did he look at the schedule wrong? So it was super helpful that he had his phone. So thinking about, you know, how to do technology, I think we're going to go with this. If I find that the phone is distracting to him later, we'll take it away too. But I think based on their ages and kind of how they are with technology, that worked really well. Um, some things that did not work. Um, one is they were getting up early and that's usually my alone time. And so I definitely felt cranky that when I got up, they were up and I didn't have my coffee in the quiet. I couldn't read quietly. I couldn't go exercise. My usual morning routine is to exercise, read a book, have my coffee and water in silence by myself. And they were awake. And so, you know, by day three, I just shifted my bedtime a little bit earlier and then shifted my wake up time a little bit earlier. Even just 30 minutes before they get up is enough for me to kind of have that time for me. And so uh, I'm now going to get up earlier Uh, Since they have to be up early, I'll just get up 30 minutes before that so that I have my time. And then the other thing that was a disaster was lunch. I knew going into the week that lunch was going to be a pain, and I I was not wrong. They have lunch at different times. My ninth grader has lunch at 9.59 a.m. I call that second breakfast. And then he's done for the day at 1.30. So he ended up just doing snacks at his lunchtime and then having lunch after school. But by the time he was having lunch, everybody else in the house had already eaten and he would come in like I'm on a work call and he was like, what's for lunch? I'm like, bud, you got to just, I don't know, go find something. Um, my sixth grader had lunch at, I don't know, 12, 11, 11.40 to 12.20 or something like that. So it's a little bit earlier than I would typically eat lunch. But then, you know, she wanted one thing, but then whatever my husband made for her, my son didn't want. And it just every day around, you know, between 11 o'clock and two, the kitchen was open and it just, it was just stressful. So I'm trying to come up with plan B. I, I think I'm going to do some meal planning this weekend and uh, put some things in the, the refrigerator, like kind of grab and go ready to have lunches, either things they could put in the microwave or things they can eat cold and just try to have them in there so that whatever time they have lunch, there's just a thing and it's already ready for them. And so uh, I'm going to try to do that differently. So anyway, I don't know what worked for you and what didn't work for you, but just spend some time and think about it. You know, if there were things that were a disaster, can you do something about it? And is there something you can change in 
your schedule or in your planning that would just make that thing easier. The last thing that I want to share for today is something that, I mean, it's true all the time, but I think right now reminding ourselves of this reality is, is pretty important. And that is as parents, we are the thermometer at home. Our mood and the way that we are handling things sets the temperature for how our kids are going to handle things. So if we're negative and we are just talking about how terrible this is, this is going to be awful, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is a disaster, our kids are going to feed off of that and get on that negative train and just, you know, pile on. Whereas if we are positive and focus on the things that are going well, and I don't mean fake positive, like I don't mean overly optimistic, just be real, but don't only focus on the negatives because there are things that worked. Then our kids are going to be more adept at also looking for positive things. Um, We've got to celebrate the wins for them, even the little ones. So, um, you know, we made it through the week without crying and breaking anything. Cause I mean, I was totally ready for tears and laptops being thrown across the room and that didn't happen. Um, they were frustrated at various points, but that didn't happen. And so as soon as I'm done recording this, cause everyone is still in bed, I got up early so I could do this. I'm going to go buy donuts and my kids love donuts. I'm going to celebrate. They are going to have donuts for breakfast today. They're off school today. And, uh, so they can celebrate with donuts. We've got to cheer them on and support them in every way we can, even if on the inside we are mad or stressed out or freaking out. We have to project positivity and calm for them. We've got to support them. We cannot add fuel to the fire of their stress. They're kids. They need us to be the adults and to be the grown-ups and to be the thermometer that calms them down. We have to do that for them. I know it's hard, but we've got to do that for them. One of the things that I've been doing with the kids each day is asking them for their highs and lows. You know, what was awesome today and what, what sucked? What was terrible? And just give them a chance to talk about it. Um, I've been doing it just one-on-one rather than like all together at the dinner table or something like that. And it's been helpful to just hear, you know, my, my son loves math class and Latin. Who would have known he was going to love Latin? His low, actually the first couple of days was Spanish. He has not spoken or done a lot of Spanish since March because they had Spanish you know, during the pandemic, during the the asynchronous learning, but it was a lot of worksheets. They were not speaking Spanish or listening to Spanish. They were doing worksheets. And so um, I found an app called Duolingo and he and I have been playing it and he's like killing it. He's loving it. He's enjoying Spanish again. So it's just a matter of learning from him. Like what, what is not working for you? What, what was terrible? And then, you know, can we brainstorm and find something to make it better? Um, The other thing that I've been doing is saying yes to everything I possibly can say yes to, which I'm not typically like. I'm I'm a pretty strict parent. But one day, you know, it was three o'clock and my daughter was like, 
can I have ice cream for my snack today? I was like, yep. And she was shocked. She was like, are you serious? It's like, you made it through the school day. Go have some ice cream. I'm not going to let her do it every day, but on a random day, yes, like have the ice cream. Or uh, my son, the one day, you know, it's two o'clock. He was done for the day. He didn't have any homework. He said, can I watch a movie instead of like doing reading and cleaning my room? And I was like, yep. He was like, really? Sure. Go watch a movie. And so I think he watched Black Panther, which um, is a wonderful movie. And especially um, this week when the the Black Panther passed away in real life, which is so sad. Um, so if you can say yes to your kids, say yes. And, you know, if you can celebrate the things that are working with them, do that. I think it will go a long way to helping them get through this. Back to the first thing I said, this is hard. It's going to be hard. And so we can't pretend that it's not hard. But if we can find the little nuggets of goodness and things that are working and put some of our mental energy towards that, I think it will go a long way towards keeping us calm and keeping our kids kind of positive and enjoying school as best they can. And I think that's really important, you know, for the long run. That is it for today's episode. I hope that this was helpful to you. If you are a parent with a one or more kids in school and you have made it through the first week, or maybe some of you started even earlier, congratulations. You killed it. You've succeeded. You're alive. Everybody made it. And if you don't have kids in school, but you know people that do, drop them a note. Just check in on them. You know, send them a a funny meme, something, um, just know that, you know, they have had a life change, you know, over the course of this period of time, this kind of transition from summer and trying to figure out how in the world to keep our kids entertained all day into this. It, it was, it was a needed change, but boy, it was abrupt. And, um, it was hard to plan for. We could not anticipate how it was going to go. So, Be kind to your friends who have kids in school. Be extra kind to your friends who are teachers and administrators. They are working harder than they've ever had to work before. So give them, you know, give them something to smile about. Give them some grace. Shoot them a text to say how much you appreciate them. And with that, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. You've just listened to another episode of the Calm Podcast. I hope that some of the strategies that I talked about are helpful to you in your journey through academia and life. As they say, it's not all about the destination. It's about the journey. Let's make it a great one. Until next time.